Go with your gut. Go why? Go with your gut why? Because every time I do it, it it it's the right decision that uh, led to me meeting you. Yeah. It led to the success in my first business. Then last time I went with my gut feeling, I met Jamie and started my second bit my second big business. Yeah. So, go yeah. with your gut. Hey friends, welcome to another Empire Show. My name is Bedros Koulian and this is an inside look. And today we've got someone really cool who's got a very different type of business that we're gonna do a deep dive in and his name is Howie Zales. Now Howie is a coaching client of mine and also a good friend. And if you've watched any kind of sports television broadcasts in years past, you've probably seen Howie's work or at least a work of his camera operators. Howie, welcome to the show. How you doing? Grateful to be here. Yeah, yeah. Grateful for having you here because, uh, dude, so here we are in May of 2021. Yep. And you, know, you started off as a camera operator some 30 some odd years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, you don't look a day over 25. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and well, the year 2020 really put your business into a tailspin. And we'll get to that in a moment. And I just wanted to kind of leave that nugget out there for our audience. But tell folks how you got into the camera operator space, specifically in the sports world. Well, growing up, you know, my goal was to play professional baseball. I did everything possible to make that happen, but I knew I needed a backup. Okay. And uh, in in high school, I think it was 11th or 12th grade, there was a I needed one elective. I didn't love school, so this this elective TV production sounded really cool. Yeah. Trip to NBC Studios and 30 Rock to get a tour and to see a live show being videotaped, how bad could that be, right? Yeah. And I just fell in love with TV production. And I knew, uh -huh. I, right then and there, sports and TV. Well, I'll tell you, here's what's nuts, is Howie, you're an Emmy Award-winning camera operator. And you know to have that accolade and then move forward over the next several years in your career and then become an entrepreneur, you've obviously done a lot of things right. And so we'll get to that. But you, you go to 30 Rock, you're sitting there and you're watching this and you're like, hey, that's what I want to do? Yeah. And um, combined with the course that we took, yeah. right, Pr producing uh, you know, high school events yeah. and um, uh, doing the camera work for the shows, the high school shows, the musicals that mm -hmm. they did, I'm like, this is so cool. How do I combine this with sports? How, my love of sports, I need to combine this. I knew gotcha. exactly what I wanted to do. Gotcha. So really, you're like, all right, because I know I wanted to play professional baseball, but that may not pan out. So I do like this thing, mm -hmm. which is operating a camera and really being able to get into production and broadcast. However, I want to combine it with sports. Yep. And were there, like, was that a big industry back then? Like, you know, no, sports camera and, operators? And, you know, I went to college for, I only sought out colleges that had TV production programs, and I went to a awesome college, Plattsburgh State in upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, and I got to touch the equipment from day one and it was an awesome experience, but they never said how to get into it. Huh. They never talked about, they never used the word freelancer because yeah. in the television business, 99% of people are freelancers. So they never, there was no advice, no nothing on how to get into it. Gotcha. So I, I took a few jobs as a production assistant, um, then a news job shooting news. 
Yeah. And how, how exciting was that, shooting the news? Uh, it, it was good until, um, until one bad car accident that they, that they wanted to see, like, the body. And you know what? I was just done. done. Yeah. Oof. Ooh, yeah. That's that's weird. Yeah. I always wonder that about like the, the dude operating the camera of like for news, you know, anchors who are out there on the scene. It's like that person like is seeing stuff at a yeah. very different way than the person who's standing in front of the scene and just reporting on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. That was the thing that broke the camera's that, back. That was the like, thing I'm that out. broke the camera's back. Um I had also worked with a really great reporter, um, and we had a lot of fun doing you know, like feature type stories, like yeah. good stories. And then he left and um, I started freelancing in television sports. Okay. So and for those who don't know, what is freelancing? So freelancer basically is someone that is um, an independent contractor. You, you don't have a full-time job. You don't get paid every two weeks. You get paid when you work. Got it. And instead of a W-2, you get a 1099 from okay. all the clients that you work for. So then, but then you have to hustle and get your own gigs. You have to hustle and get your own gigs. You need to set aside uh, like 30% of what you make from each check to cover your taxes. Right, right. That's a big thing. And then since income, at least in the beginning, until you're in high demand, until you win an Emmy Award, <laughs> then you're in high demand. But until then, it's kind of, is a feast or famine, I imagine? Yeah, you're, you're a salesperson, you're a camera operator, mostly a salesperson, yeah. and you're only as good as the last job you did. Oof, yeah, yeah. So obviously you did pretty decent considering all the places that you've been and all the like amazing celebrities and world athletes that you have caught on camera, like uh, the man that owns the most gold medals in Olympics, Michael Phelps. Yep. What, what was that like the first time you were there? So we, we were in Italy and you know everyone had heard of Michael Phelps because of the Olympic trials and everything and he was like the big star no one knew he, yeah. what, what he would become. And I was the camera operator that kind of bent down and uh, picked him out of the pool as he won his first gold medal. There's a picture of me in the USA Today, and it's just him and me. I'm like literally down there on, on no the edge kidding. of the pool. Yeah. yeah. And you had no, like no one knows who he was going to become. No, no. That is insane. Yeah. What Olympics was that? That was Italy. I don't remember what okay. number, but Summer Olympics of Italy. Okay. That was Italy, and of course he went on to win 20 some odd gold medals. Yeah. Uh, and then in the sizzle reel that I just saw that you had pr produced and you were showing me, uh, for y'all that don't know, apparently the average human swims at about two miles per hour. Yeah. And Phelps uh, swims at six miles per That's hour. That's crazy. Like that is freaking bananas, man. He's like a human torpedo. Yeah. Like that is just nuts. And, and so, you know, like you name the sport, you've done it. Pretty right? much, yeah. From like every major league sport yeah. out there. Um, when you and I connected, I don't know, a couple of years ago, you were doing one particular sport on a regular basis, yep. which was WWE wrestling, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, how was that experience compared to professional sports? It, it, was, it was a great experience. I met the WWE people over 20 years ago doing the XFL. Okay. Uh, the original XFL. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. on the sidelines uh, working for NBC. Was that is XFL the arena football? No, that was the the XFL or extreme football, I guess it was called. Okay. Uh, it was um, there was eight teams. Did Vince McMahon Vin start Vince that? Vince McMahon and, okay. and at the time Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol from NBC yeah. started it. NBC yeah. had just lost football to I think CBS or Fox. Mm -hmm. 
so they were dying for football and yeah. they started this league together and um, so that's how I met the wrestling people was on the sideline and they saw me running up and down the sideline because this was like the first big gig I got you know yeah. big traveling job now were you at that point a camera operator or at this point are you now an entrepreneur that have where you have your own camera guys under you um, I'm more of a camera operator this time I had my the beginning I had just started the beginnings of my uh, first business HJZ productions but wasn't really doing much yeah. it was more cam camera operator this time gotcha so the bulk of your income was coming from yes being an actual operator yeah and the thing that a camera or someone in the TV business wants is a steady gig right sure so 12 games of football that's how's it getting more steady than that yeah yeah well, at least during the season, during the season. yeah 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 <laughs> and so okay i got i ask because i'm curious for my own myself so I, i'm sure the audience is curious D during all the different sidelines that you've been on in all the different sports yeah like i mean surely someone's run over you or oh. collapsed into you or like, what are the craziest things that have happened that for I, you it's normal there's some good stories yeah. <laughs> i've had Three, maybe four concussions. Good Lord! Yeah, I was on the side. I didn't, um, and what led to the XFL was I did a horse race that uh, aired on NBC, and I met the director from NBC, and he was like, you know, we're starting, starting this new football league, the XFL, if you're interested, I'd love to have you on it, but why don't you come to Notre Dame, because NBC did Notre Dame for years, and yeah. we'll see your football experience. So I'm like, that, that's awesome. Sure. So I shot Notre Dame, and um, I'm shooting a punt, and the next thing I know, I'm in the hospital. What happened was, I, w I went with the ball, and the ball went to the other side of the field, yeah. but two guys were like grappling as they were running down the field for no reason on my side of the field, because the ball was completely on the other yeah. side. They came out of bounds, hit me, knocked Holy me down, and I only know this because I saw all 12 cameras replays. All the different angles. <laughs> they <laughs> sent me a DVD yeah. of, all, of all the replays of me getting knocked out. And uh, I, I broke my tailbone and had a concussion. Holy smokes. And all I kept complaining about was that my ass hurt because oh, yeah. I got knocked on my yeah. you know, on and, your ass. Um, yeah. and uh, I had a bad concussion. And then Was that the first concussion? That might have been the second. Um, I had another one doing football, but the, the other one that probably should have killed me was I was doing um, baseball at... Uh, for the New York Mets at City Field. Okay. Uh, it was at, no, at Shea Stadium before City Field. Okay. Um, so I'm doing low third, and this is obviously the camera that's on the third base side. Yeah. And at that time, it was kind of above the dugout, and I was doing low third. There was a runner on second, so my job was to shoot the runner on second, but watch the pitch, right? So you know, God yeah. forbid, if the ball comes your way. Right. Well, ball came my way. Oh shoot. Right there. No kidding. You still yeah. have the knot. Not and behind me, because we're field level, right? So behind me was a chain. I went up and over the chain, into the Colorado Rockies dugout, and I was like from the force from of the, the force the... of the ball. Yeah. And the run, my camera was shooting the runner on second, and when I got hit and fell backwards, it kind of panned my camera to the pitcher's mound. Yeah. And they use, and I only know this from other people. They used my camera three times because they were like tending to me in the dugout, and so the game had paused. Yeah, yeah. So they used my camera three times. The, on the third time, the pitcher's walking around the pitcher's mound and walks off in the grass, and I didn't pan with him. Oh. So they're yelling at me. I'm half dead, but they're yelling at me. By the time they realized that it was me that got hurt, 
you know, yeah. the, kind of reached the TV truck at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was me. Holy smoke. So I don't suppose you, ha I don't know why I'm fascinated by something so weird like this, but how fast was that ball traveling? You've got to know. So it was an off-speed pitch. So it was like a slow, like a curveball, I was told. Yeah. And um, Chuck McCune, Joe McCune from the New York Mets kind of like reached out and like okay. pulled it. Sorry, it had to be going 100 miles an hour. Jim, and the, the doctor said like another inch over would have killed me instantly because as you get closer to the forehead, yeah. it gets tender, more yeah. tender. So yeah, it yeah. hit me like right in the right Dude, spot. You got lucky. Lucky. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, that's horrible, horrible." I'm like, "No, I'm super lucky." I mean, not that we would have been talking about this kind of stuff in our coaching sessions or coaching calls, but holy crap! It's like yeah. I've known you for a while now, and it's like I yeah. had no clue. And I went up and over and fell six feet. But I felt like, 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 a, like a, as if that wasn't and, enough. And, and, right. I, yeah. yeah. And they said, like, I still had the headsets on my head, you know. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah. That's good. I mean, y'all have no risk here. <laughs> I mean, we got to start throwing stuff at y'all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, man, I, I don't know. I was fascinated by that. And so, you know, that was obviously the near death experiences. And, and so I imagine it's kind of standard practice for all camera operators that are on the sidelines. You're, you're going to, get yeah. hit, yeah. tackled, whatever, at yeah. some point. You just take that. And there's certain things you can do to try to avoid it. Sure. But it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Fair enough. And so at what point were you like starting to kind of process this idea that maybe I want to be an entrepreneur and not just like a freelance camera operator the whole time? Like what makes you take that leap into the entrepreneurial space? So a friend of mine that I went from elementary school through college with, he, he was working at MSNBC at the time, and uh, I don't know if you remember Imus. He yeah. did his radio show yeah, yeah, yeah. once in a while, and they broadcast his radio show from yeah. the studio. Once in a while, they would take his show on the road. So um, he called me and said, hey, Howie, you know, they're doing Imus' show from wherever it was. Uh, can, you, can you shoot it? Help us shoot it. I'm like, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, I'm a freelancer, so yeah. job's a job. Yeah. And he goes, do you have any friends? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, boom. My business started literally that day. Gotcha. I didn't take it seriously enough in terms of thinking that I was an entrepreneur for a few years. It was, it was always a side thing. It was always yeah. there. It was always generating income for me. But I never really thought that I was an entrepreneur until a, a, a good eight to ten years later. Why is that? Because I, I think I was living in upstate New York. Most of my jobs were in New York. I was kind of removed from it. We didn't do a lot of events, but we did enough that it was definitely providing me enough income. Sure. And then, you know, I, I, um, I got divorced and I moved, moved down to New York and then eventually remarried. And I got to thinking, you know, I can't do this forever. Yeah. And because I do a handheld camera, I don't do one of the big studio cameras. Right. I can't be running up and down the football field sideline. Right. Forever. Yeah. I really need And to, how old were you at this point when you're when you're having this thought process? Forty. Okay. So it's only in the last like ten eight, ten years. Yeah. 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 And so at that point you're like, wait a minute, they asked me if I have any friends, I kinda pimp out my friends to these guys and maybe you help negotiate what because yeah. your friends, you know, they don't probably know how this is gonna work. So you're like, hey, you know what, I'll negotiate the terms, et cetera, and you pay me and I pay them. Yeah. Is that kinda how it went? Yeah, and um and Yes, exactly. And then in like 2007, 2008, 
the, uh, the union in New York really kind of came to fruition, where the rates were kind of standardized, and um, now, I, now I was kind of matched up against my competition. I couldn't charge really much more than my competition. Gotcha. So what really, and I didn't even realize until I met you that I've been a sales salesperson, salesman all along. Your whole life. Because I, I, I got to sell me. Yeah. Because the, the rates are the rates. Yeah. I, if I charge more, they're going to use the person that's yeah. cheaper, right? Yeah. So I got to sell me. Yeah. And I never really realized that I was a, a salesperson. Isn't that funny that we go through life not realizing that we're oftentimes selling? Because everyone's like, well, I don't know how to sell. It's like, look, if someone asks you, how are you? And you're like, fine, thank you. You're Depending on the level of enthusiasm or conviction you use in your voice, that's you're trying to persuade someone that you're fine, thank you. Like, right. I'm fine, thank you, leave, leave me alone. Um, so we are always selling, but it's, it's, it's interesting that so many people I come across go, you know, I didn't realize I've been selling for all these years. Mm -hmm. Because as a freelancer, someone does want to know, like, look, price is the same. Right. Why should I use you? So, like, do you happen to remember any of your pitch or any of your, like, did, did you ever stumble upon, like, if I, when I say this line, my closing percentage goes up or I get the job? Anything yeah. like that? Um, a, a funny story. Yeah. I, I call, I had just started freelancing and it was before I left my news job. Um, so I called ESPN and I said, hey, I'm Howie, I've been doing this. And I listed off the events that I've done. Yeah. And she said, well, how long have you been doing this? And I said, you know, maybe a year. And she goes, call me back in five. Damn. So I put it in my calendar and I called Donna back at ESPN five years later to yeah. tell her what I've done. And wow. she's like, wow, I said that? Yeah. But yeah. And, did you uh, end up working with her? Um, or I did a few events with them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Th th there's a great lesson there, guys. I want you to pay attention to this, that success is not found in one year. It may be found in 5, 10, 15, 20, 35 years, right? Yeah. And you literally put it in your calendar. Were you pissed off when she said that? She's like, call me in five? Yeah, that's what drove me. To, yeah. That was one of the driving forces to get better. And so you're like, I'm going to put it in my calendar. And in that time, I'm going to get better. Yeah. I'm going to show her and end up doing something with them. Yeah, and I never stopped asking questions, learning. Yeah, good for you. Good for you, that driving force. What, what was your driving force? Because as I got to know you, I saw that Howie has a bit of a good chip on his shoulder. There's definitely a bad chip on someone's shoulder where they're like, they're angry, they're, they're, they, they drink heavily, whatever. And there's a chip on their shoulder where like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go prove to the world that I'm good at my craft, I'm always going to get better, and I can be top, the top 1%. Where... What drives you? What drove you? What drove me was, so one of the biggest things, I was living in upstate New York where there was no sports. Uh, I was driving to New York and Boston to work local sports in New York. So I'm like, I can't keep driving 250 miles to do one day or two days. Yeah. I gotta improve and, and get on a, like a tour, like yeah. a 12 weeks, 16 weeks of football. Yeah. So that was one driving force. Um, driving force to make money. I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make twenty thousand dollars a year shooting news. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, money, huh. money's a, like you said, money's a tool it to is. get what you want. And it solves and, the problem of not having money, right? Yeah. So, so now as we fast forward, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you're you're kind of realizing, all right, um, you know, this this side gig of a business that I have is making me money. Um, before the camera started rolling, you told me something interesting. You're like, hey, you know, it wasn't until like maybe a year and a half, two years ago that I started to think of myself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so you, uh, 
you said your wife tells you something or, you know, like, like kind of corrected you. Yeah. So when people would ask you, hey, what do you do for a living? Even like a couple years ago, what would you say? I'd say I work for WWE and NBC Sports. I'm a camera operator. I'm a camera operator. Yet you have all these like people working for you. You've got a, a payroll company. And I, didn't, I, don't, I don't even know if I realized that I had a two to three million dollar business going. And my wife, Jenny, said, she said, you're an entrepreneur. You're a business owner. Yeah. You do the camera stuff on the side. Yeah. Because you were probably doing more entrepreneurial stuff, less camera stuff at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I mean you don't because no camera operators making two to three million a year in a business. No, and I was I, I didn't need, and it took a lot of proving to me because yeah. you know as a freelancer it's a scary lifestyle, right? You yeah. you only ha get paid when you work. Right. So um, she had been trying to get me to give up the camera work for a while. And huh. focus on the business, and it took it took almost the pandemic to make me believe that I can get by with, without it. Huh? Ain't that something? So let's kind of shift gears there, because as you and I meet, um, you, you know, there's and, and this is so neat, guys. If you guys are watching this or listening to this, you got to understand in whatever line of business you're in, the fixed mindset says this is how I make my money. The growth mindset or the open mindset says, you know what? Yeah, okay, I used to be a camera operator. Now I have a business where I kind of have camera operators that I essentially lease out to right. sports uh, uh, events that are happening. And that's how you started making your money. But then you were like, hey, I think I'd like to do something different. I think I'd like to create a course for people who want to become camera operators, right? And it's that open-mindedness, that ability to think out of the box, mm -hmm. which we talked about upstairs when we were doing your, your half-day coaching there, that we're like, all right, man, well, this could be another income stream for you. And we kind of came out the gate in our coaching program working together. So where, where did you get this idea of like, hey, I want to create a course where I can teach people to, uh, I, I guess, you know, whatever, young men and women who want to operate a camera to do this and then kind of fast track into the industry. Where did that idea come from? Uh, um, <clears throat> mostly, you helped me open up my head to think that I could even think about doing something like that. I, yeah. I never, you know, my mother's a teacher. And I never would have thought that I was gonna be a teacher or, or even have it in me, yeah. but um, I, I knew that, I, I knew I had a big network of people and that I could offer a lot to uh, young people getting into the business. I knew my struggles of mm -hmm. how difficult it is to get into the business, and it is difficult because there's no training ground. Right. Uh, years and years ago, the training ground was you would work for the networks and then they'd put you on events. Well, that doesn't exist anymore because everyone's freelancing. Right. There's no training ground. So I got, and I, I went to a few conventions and I, and I kept listening to people say how old the freelancers are, who's going to replace the current group of, of camera people and audio people and replay mm -hmm. people. Where, what, what are we going to do? There's no, so I was like, that cemented into my mind. And you helped me open up my brain that I could do that. Yeah. And uh, I never thought I would write a book to go along with, uh -huh. let alone to, to go along with it. Yeah, what, what a great experience, right? And this goes for any industry, like find the problem that you were having, because you were having a, yeah. when you're young and unproven and a freelancer, no one taught you how to sell yourself. No one taught you the business side of it. No one taught you how to pitch yourself. And so you're like, man, I don't want people who are gonna just now develop the skill to have to suffer like I did. So whatever that sucked for you, 
be the solution to that. Right. And then whatever new problems exist, because as the industry kind of got more mature, freelancers are getting a little longer in the tooth, right? And everyone's like, hey, who's gonna replace them? Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, there's a problem in my industry. And where everyone else focuses on the problem, you're like, you know what, man? Hey, B, I think we have a potential opportunity for a solution in the form of a course where you can teach people. So what, as we built out your course, obviously I know what it is, what does your course teach this young you know, camera operators who are maybe going to college to learn broadcast or TV production to, to help them fast track? So, great question. Our course teaches um, how to go about getting clients, how to talk to possible clients on the phone, what to say, how to sell yourself, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and um, we, we give them the clients, we tell them who to call, we, get, we came up with a, um, basically a written script yeah. of, of what to say. Yeah, a and pitch. Then a pitch, and then in the class we make sure everyone go, we go around the room, make sure everyone gets their turn on, do, on doing it. Um, we bring in equipment, the real equipment that they would use on site, and, yeah. and teach them how to coil cable teach them how to use the cameras so the first time they see a camera on site it's it's not going to be the first time that they've seen it right um and we wrote a book on on telling them how to act on the job what to do from the second they get there to the location yeah. to the second they leave what their responsibilities are in each position and um how to shoot from every camera angle baseball basketball soccer hockey and boxing I mean, every director has his or her own style, but these are the basic yeah. rules to follow. Yeah, which you would have killed to get access oh to that information. God. Yeah, like, it took me. What an advantage it would have given you, and they would have said, hey, Howie, we'll take you over this new guy. Yeah, right? I mean, football is, every sport is difficult to shoot, but yeah. I mean, there's a hundred different scenarios in football, and we outlined it all. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, so, so is football the hardest to shoot? Football and baseball. Football and baseball. Because it all depends on um, baseball is if there's a righty or lefty batter up, your responsibilities are different. And if it's one, one, two outs, your responsibilities are different. Oh, wow. Football is where is the ball on the field and which way is it going? Yeah. Because your responsibilities are different if the ball is between the 30-yard line and the goal or between the 30 and the 30. And if it's going the opposite direction, it's completely different. Ain't that something? Yeah. And then it's here, all a formula. Here, it's all formula. Yeah. And here are the rest of us sitting at home with our guacamole, yeah. watching. Yeah. Not even just. I mean, listen. Whether I'm, I only watch one sporting event a year, which is the Super Bowl, and that's because Jason Frugia invites me to his house and he feeds me guacamole <laughs> and lots of beer, um, and that's a great reason to go. But but then whenever I've gone to sporting events, I see camera people down there. I didn't know there was all that formulaic thing. Yeah. I just thought, aim the goddamn camera towards the guy with the ball and yeah, then no. just follow the ball. Yeah, we, that's what we it. teach. And we teach um, people how to get prepared for the show. You know, you can't just show up to the game. You got to know who, what are the storylines? Who's important? Who are the announcers going to be talking mm. about? And you, we teach them how to listen to the director in one ear and listen to the announcers in the other so you know who to shoot. Yeah. based on what the announcers are talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. Holy smokes, there's a lot going on. So that, that's a pretty cool thing. So of course, we created the course and, and you went off selling it. Um, you know, I was remiss and I didn't ask you, how did you get your Emmy Award? How do you win an Emmy Award? From the, that's pretty our, dope. Our, <laughs> thank you, our camera work for uh, the Beijing Olympics. The Beijing Olympics. Yeah, we did gymnastics. 
Uh, okay, that's another very high-speed moving bodies that you got to keep track yeah. of, right? It was amazing. I was with the U.S. women when they won their gold medal. No kidding. Um, again, this is a novice asking, but I'm asking also for our audience. Was there like a specific shot that someone like who who gives you that? Like uh, obviously, it was, it was our overall camera work. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Man. So I was one of I think was there maybe eight of us. Okay. I think eight of us. And at that point, you were a freelancer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're a freelancer at the Beijing Olympics. And how does it feel when they're like, hey, man, you all just got the Emmy for the quality of work you did? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Did that change how, how you got hired or how no, you got paid? I never even, and I have the Emmy sitting in my house. I see it every single day. Yeah. I, I never refer to myself as as an Emmy Award camera operator until I, I think you were the one that told yeah. me, you, you, you're doing this course about camera work and you don't tell them that you're an Emmy Award? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's so funny when I get clients who are doctors and, you know, they just introduce themselves as whoever, Dr. Amy, Dr. Bob, but they don't say doctor, they just say Amy or Bob. And I'm like, aren't you a doctor? Yes. Listen, you, you're Amy or Bob to me, but to, right. to the rest of the world, you're a doctor, right? Or it's so important to use that point of differentiation. And clearly an Emmy award differentiates you from other camera operators. And so that, that's a pretty cool thing, man. Holy smokes. Uh, I thought you were going to say like, oh, I caught, you know, Hulk Hogan doing a <laughs> doing off the top ropes or something at WWE, but at the Beijing Olympics, gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's neat. I'm super grateful for yeah. the experience. Did anyone, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just picturing like some kid just smashing into one of you guys. Did anything, anything weird happen like that at the Olympics where someone just eats it um, in terms of like a camera, a camera operator? No, because there's so many rules and um, you got to be super careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, uh -huh. I haven't seen. N nothing weird like that. No. Good. So no, no concussions, baseballs coming that at you. That would be an in international incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, I had an international concussion. Yeah, like, That's yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, uh, and then, you know, now here you are running a, you know, two to $3 million business and then you start coaching with me and now we're creating this new leg of your business, which is the, the course and the education piece. Mm -hmm. It's going to be another revenue stream for you and it's going to solve a problem, a glaring problem in your industry. And we're kicking ass, we're taking names, uh, we built the funnel, you, 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 put a, you put several people through it, and then bang, coronavirus. Yes. And March all, 11th. Right? <laughs> March 11th. And then part of the course was that, hey, when you go through the course, I'm going to give you hands-on experience. Like, you're going to take them to all these events that they could literally be... Interns. Interns. Yeah. Now there's no fucking event right. for them to go to because it's corona time. What... What does that do to your business, the seven-figure business? Like, is it like a, just a light switch overnight? Literally. We, um, first of all, with the, the course, we had the whole idea of, you know, like you said, the, the people would come on to the job and yeah. they would get on-the-job training. Yeah. This is a difficult industry. There's no training ground like we've talked about. And this, this was going to be a perfect way to do yeah. it. Yeah, and now you've got 35 years of, of industry reputation where you can pretty much take these young young talented operators, all these operators who are going to become talented and introduce them mm -hmm. and get them on the floor like you never had the opportunity to. Right. I've, I had mentors yeah. and uh, all along my career. So that's what I was wanting to be was yeah. these people's mentor. Yeah. And, um, and I had people signed on to be, to work with me, to be the on-site mentor gotcha. also. And um, we were going to pay them to be yeah. a part of it. And 
and then you know coronavirus hit and so not only did that ha we had to pivot that and change that all of our events that we were our hiring events um just overnight like everyone else just Crazy. went away poof goes away what amount of panic takes place at home because I, I can tell you that you know in my home it wasn't so much there was certainly uncertainty. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say like I, was, I wasn't running around with my hair on fire because I'd gone through the housing market crash earlier than that, um, you know, in 2008. So I knew uncertainty, but this was the first time that I was like, holy crap, we just shut down all of our gyms. I just announced to all of our franchise owners to shut down our gyms for a two week period to flatten the curve. Mm -hmm. um, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, two to four weeks, we'll be back. But then behind the back of that mind, I was like, if we don't come back fast enough, we're not going to live to right. be a franchise. And uh, it was that it was scary. What was the kind of vibe at your house with you and your wife and, you know, who's your business partner in this as right. well, right? Yeah, it was uh, my nature is is kind of even keeled. Yeah. And um, that's how I got the name for my second company. Uh, I'll t we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, it, it wasn't horrible at the beginning because I knew that uh, as a sort of a payroll business, that's what we do. Yeah. We had a lot of money still outstanding to come in. Right. So I knew right away that we had a good amount of money that was going to come in. Yeah. So, so that gave you some peace of mind. It gave me some peace of yeah. mind. There's yeah. no future work right now, but there's at right. least money scheduled to come in. And, and what we, our union contracts say we need to pay within two weeks. Sometimes it takes a lot months to get yeah. paid. So fortunately, we had uh, a lot of money still to come in. Got it. Did all of it come in? All of it came in. Okay, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a good thing. And so now that you know that, you're like, okay, obviously things aren't going back to normal in two weeks like we thought. Right. And so it's now, you know, it's been two months, three months, four months, and we start this interesting rebirth of your business. Yeah. Why don't you share that with everyone? So um, it all started with uh, the West Point graduation. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were hired by West Point to produce uh the their graduation because they only they weren't allowing any parents just the cadets were yeah. going to be allowed to attend so and they had never done anything like this before so it's going to be uh, a virtual event virtual event um all the cadets were going to be there they were going to bring them in two weeks prior have them quarantine yeah. so they knew that all the cadets would be you know uh, wouldn't wouldn't be sick um so they brought us in and we hired the entire crew from the director on down and all the people that we hired were super grateful because they haven't worked in, yeah. this is June, right? So like three months. Yeah. And um, the person that sits next to the director in the TV truck is called the technical director. A lot of directors want their person. Yeah. You know, they travel with this person all the time. Yeah. They're used to how They're the cadence of work. Yeah, they know what the, the technical director knows what the director wants. Yeah. So, you know, I was fighting with Patrick. I'm like, no, but my guys have been, you know, haven't worked in three months. Yeah. He's like, I got to have my guy, Jamie. I got to have Jamie. I'm yeah. like, something in my brain and my <clears throat> gut said, you know what? Don't put up a fight. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how did that unfold for you? <laughs> it's a great story because Jamie's become one of like my best friends, yeah. but also like, uh, I wouldn't have had the beginnings of my business without him because yeah. um, he's offered such technical, I mean, what he's offered me and through the, his technical knowledge and yeah. as a director himself 
has been, you know, huge for huge. you. Huge. And, and, and so, but, but I think you, even before that, th there was like a little spark of this whole virtual thing yes. that took place at your temple. Yes. So, um, like June, July, I was talking to the rabbi at my temple, who's also a, a good friend of mine. I'm like, man, we're not going to be able to do the services in September the way you know you yeah. normally done it. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, you have to like live stream this. And I said, it's going to be completely different. And I said, if we're going to do different, let's really do different. Yeah. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, so you're, you're pitching the rabbi. I'm pitching the rabbi. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And pitch everybody. Pitch and pick. We're doing gigs for God. Pitching the rabbi. Yeah, gigs for God. I and, love this. Uh, um, so I said. We're gonna have to do things different. I said, why don't you go out in the community? We can do you can do some videos. I'll help you. I yeah. have it. And he had a drone, and I shot him with a drone doing oh, an nice. opening of it. Yeah. And um, so we did in the two different holidays, maybe ten different live streams from the temple. It was just me, him, and the cantor and yeah. the person playing the organ, and uh, we streamed to over like a thousand devices. Holy smokes. So I got to thinking, you know, there's got to be a way to monetize this. Now, let me ask you something. I mean, I don't know how big the temple is, but would a thousand people had come to? No way. Never, right? Because people were in Florida, people were here, you yeah. know, wherever they were. Yeah. Yeah. People gotcha. were going to, they were going to temple in their pajamas. Yeah. And on their devices. They loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what could be more convenient? And so, and so previous to that, like, you didn't know much about the live stream world. I mean, you're a camera on the shoulder, yeah. on the sports field, watch out for the concussion kind of guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the middle, I'm in the thick of the action. And yeah. now you're doing this like virtual thing and yeah. you're like, what the hell? What do you mean, you can do this from home? So where does the spark come where, like, I could do this for bigger corporations? How does that land? So uh, I got a call from uh, a friend at the time and yeah. he's like telling me his company needs to do this project and um, uh, where the interviewer can't leave her house and we're going to interview nine different MLB players around the country. Okay. How does that go? And I'm like, we can do that. And uh, now, now let me ask you, when you said we can do that with a smile like this, right. did you know what you were going to do? No way. No way. Well, you took the gig. Yeah. Okay. I had an idea, but yeah. not not, not yeah. to what it... Yeah. Because it's way different than what you did at the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Broadcasting one thing to... Right. Versus like you have nine different players in probably nine different places. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that unfold? You so say we, yes, and then you try and figure it out. So Jamie and I together, and a lot of Jamie, uh, we devised these computer kits uh, with cameras and microphones and Ethernet cables, and the, we call them our remote capture kits, and we send them out to to uh, the people that are in our live streams, and um, all they need to do is turn the computer on and hook it up to the Internet. Got it. Does it come with instructions? Like it comes open with case. Instructions. Yeah. We have a QR code that they just scan with their phone. Perfect. Yeah. And in some cases we even send a tech out so they don't even have to touch it. Got it. So if someone's a dummy like me and this case shows up with like gear and I don't know what to do, technician comes out. Yep. Boom. Sets everything up. And we go over it with the technician prior to to make sure nothing got damaged in shipping. Yeah. And and then they're there just in case something happens in the middle. And this kit's pretty robust. I mean, it comes with ring lights. Yep. It comes with a computer. It yep. comes with like all the high-speed stuff you need. And you guys can log in remotely. Yep. And what did you say? Color correct? Yeah, or we, what? Could, we could remote, log in remotely once yeah. it's hooked up to the internet. And um, we can color correct the camera. We can zoom, focus. Uh, so it almost seems like there's someone there with them. Yeah. Wowza. And um, 
and then we have uh, you know the microphones hooked up, and then we have an IFB, so they that? can so they can hear. Okay. Either one like the IFB, like the newscasters yeah, wear, yeah. or a headset, and through a program on the on the computer, they can hear anyone else in this live stream that's going on, or they can hear our director talk to them, saying, you know, okay, five, four, three, you know, yeah, counting down. Brilliant. And so, how did that first event go? It, it, it actually went pretty smooth. Yeah. And we, we've had some hiccups down the road or, along the way, but we've kind of perfected our workflow. Sure. And uh, we use, um, everything is done in a cloud, so, and we have, we've built in a lot of redundancy. So, and if this has happened, uh, if I lose power in my house, because I'm in, technically in charge, if I lose power in my house, the other person could take control. And it, since it's in the cloud, yeah, it's the stream continues. Yeah. so no interruption. There'll be interruption in what you're doing, Correct. but not necessarily the experience of Correct. the people, viewers like me. And so since then, you've kind of created this new business, mm -hmm. and you're doing giant virtual shows. Yeah, right. So how does that look? Why don't you explain what your new business model is and how it looks, and kind of you know profit margins versus having actual humans that you would send to places to film. Yeah, so um, we, we, Viridity Entertainment Services is our business. Viridity is, uh, and this is uh, a thing that Steve had done, one of the masterminds that I was here. Uh, he talked about when you're in the state of uh, anger, yeah. you're in the state, of, you're, you're in red, right? Yeah. And, when you're get happy over something very quickly, you're in the you're in blue. Yeah. If you're kind of even keeled, you're in the state of being green. green. So Jenny and my wife and I looked up different words for green because we didn't want it to be money related. Yeah. And we came up with the word viridity, which is the state of green being green. The state of being green. That's awesome. Because we're kind of I'm even, even keel. I like that. That's uh, yeah. I like and, how you close that loop. Yeah. Yeah. So um, our live stream business was born and. Um, you know, we, we, we send out these camera kits and uh, we do these big productions for our clients. I and mean, some of the clients are yeah, pretty big. I mean, yeah, we're Capital One. Capital One, T-Mobile, mm -hmm. um, GCI, which is a health company. Yeah. Um, and we do these live shows for them. We, we did one show for T-Mobile. It was a Home Run Derby contest yeah. uh, award show for Little League baseballs and Little League softball players where we had 10 boys and, an, and a Major League Baseball player and then two nights later we had 10 girls and a professional softball player and uh, we had 10 of our 20 of our devices out 10 at the boys and 10 uh -huh. at the girls and um, we we're able to you know put a show together that is awesome man that is bananas and, and so now you've got this new business going and and you know let's let's assume that as the world goes back to normal mm -hmm you'll continue to do the virtual events. Yeah. It's just a no-brainer. You'll, I mean, being your business coach, I kind of know this, so I'm, they're like, hey, you can't speak for him. Well, I kind of can, <laughs> because we talked about what you're gonna right. do, right? So now you've got this new income stream that you're gonna keep. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna bring back your course and your education course. Yeah. You're going to go back to running your business, actual, like, you know, on the sidelines, having camera people, camera operators, yep. et cetera. And then you've got your payroll business that you do, which is again, kind of outsourcing operators on a consistent basis mm -hmm. at different places. So now you got these like four income streams. Um, did you ever think like that guy who was whatever, 30 years ago, pitching himself, um, 
you know, as a freelancer and feast or famine, did you ever think that you would be where you are now as a Emmy Award winner, uh, four income streams, multi-million dollar business, all from just having a camera on your shoulder? No, I, honestly, all I wanted was a paycheck and to get a bunch of replays in, in, the, in the show. Yeah. That's, yeah, it. that's uh, it. If I got if, if I did a show and I got you know a bunch of replays because I had a good camera shot, yeah. and and the check cashed, I, I was happy. So w was that kind of a thing amongst camera guys? Yeah, like, it's because it's it's an if ego. your shots getting replays, then you're the badass. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's an ego, a bit of an ego thing, sure. right? And yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, I had a great relationship with the director uh, that I worked with at NBC, and yeah. it was to the point where I'd be like, take fourteen. Because I was my cat, seven or fourteen. I don't know how I always about that, yeah. but I'd be like, and he'd like blindly take it because he knew that I wouldn't say that unless you really had it. Unless you I had, had the it. shot, got it. That, that is awesome. That was a relationship we had. Because over time, you build a rapport and you've yeah. got that relationship. And so, I mean, as we now we're May in, May of twenty twenty one. Hopefully, as the world opens up this summer and you know big live events, etc. But interestingly enough, you hadn't had a camera on your shoulder for some while, right? Yeah. And, well, just a couple of weeks ago, it was a Kentucky Derby. Yes. And because you're the man and everybody wants the man shooting, you found yourself at the Kentucky I'm Derby. Still hurting. With a camera on yeah. your shoulder. How did that go? Because I asked him, I'm like, oh, man, that must have been fun, huh? And you're like, no, I'm, I'm in pain. I, I'm go I have an appointment to get a, an epidural injection Wednesday. <laughs> what happened, man? I, you know, I hadn't had a camera on my shoulder since September. Yeah. And uh, I used to have a knot on my, on, on my shoulder right here from the camera being there so often. Yeah, and that was just like this callus that the camera yeah, exactly. sat on or something. Yeah, and that's gone. Yeah, and you know, you got I, this fresh baby skin under there now that's weak. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to be literally flying from here to the Preakness, but I, I literally was in so much. The pain went like down to my foot. Holy crap, yeah. man! Yeah. yeah. So that kind of tells you something. I think that's a sign from the powers above to like, hey, exactly. Less cameras on your shoulder yeah. and more calling shots as the entrepreneur, right? Exactly. That is awesome, man. That is great. If people want to connect with you, if they want to learn maybe how to operate a camera, they want to just, you know, maybe take your course or just learn more about the world that you're in, where do, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Howie Zales, uh, our website, Verbidity Entertainments. Com. I'm glad you made it easy to spell. VirvidityEntertainment.com. Yeah. V-I-R-I-D-I-T-Y. Entertainment.com. Gotcha. And of course, you could always find Howie on Instagram at Howie Zales. Yep. And right? LinkedIn as well. And LinkedIn Howie, as well. Howie Zales. Yeah, that is awesome. Hey, thanks for sharing all this, you know, this, this journey of 35 years because we have so many different levels of entrepreneurs who listen. We've got the young startup entrepreneurs who are just kind of maybe doing that as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And then we've got seasoned entrepreneurs who were making the millies and then 2020 happens and they're like, man, I had to pivot too. And you know, I love hearing how others had to pivot, how others had to reinvent. And so it was pretty neat and I appreciate your vulnerability on this. Oh, um, if there was a, a lesson, one lesson before we leave, if there was one lesson that you could give the viewers and the listeners in terms of how to, how to live their life as an entrepreneur or just how to live their life in general of, of someone who consistently takes on these new adventures that you have taken on, what's that lesson? Go with your gut. Go, why? Go with your gut. Why? Because every time I do it, it, it it's the right decision that uh, led to me meeting you. Yeah. It led to the success in my first business. Um, 
every time I hired someone, because I was scared to let go of the control of the money, of the payroll, right? And every time I hired someone, it always, we always grew. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, then last time I went with my gut feeling, I met Jamie and started my second bit, my second big business. Yeah. So go yeah. with your gut. Amen to that. I'm definitely a big believer in that. Guys and gals, thank you for watching and listening to this episode. Remember to follow Howie at Instagram, Howie Sales. And of course, uh, when you're watching this and if you get value from watching this or listening to this, do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on the old iTunes. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on YouTube. And of course, don't forget to tell your mama. We'll see you later.